1: Welcome to Scrimshaw, no, Top <laughs> Omaha.
0: No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop.
1: Chili three-way, four-way, chili five-way, cheese conies. Get a, get a nachos, get a wrap, get a egg and cheese biscuit, Frisch's big boy, Saratoga chips, Montgomery and. Hi, everybody. Uh, Jack here. I'm, I'm just reading some Cincinnati food. Montgomery and ribs, Izzy's Reuben, Izzy's potato pancakes, La Rosa's pizza black raspberry chocolate chip ice cream from Gray. So here's the thing. Uh, Allison's here with me, of course. Of course. Because welcome to Script Shop, everybody. Of course.
0: Welcome to Script Shop.
1: And uh, our interview this week is Buck b who wrote a script called Sparkles and the Company that's set in New Orleans.
0: Oh, I see where you're going with this.
1: So now, if you've never seen the clip from The Simpsons where Homer is going you through. You sounded just
0: like him when you were doing that.
1: And naming, like, every single kind of food you could possibly eat in New Orleans. It's like a four-minute bit.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And then since then, there have been other people who have recreated it, shot for shot anyway because the script is set in new orleans i wanted to read off a bunch of cincinnati food it's not as clever of an no, intro I as love i thought it. It was. No, I, it's not you great you know what
0: i do love that you do intros they're so good
1: bon Bonnery's opera cream <laughs> tort <laughs> oh
0: delicious ruby's
1: collinsworth steak never had it tom and Chi grilled cheese donut delicious eagles fried chicken yum Lang tangs pho let's just
0: let's just stop and go get food i know i want <gasps> to right what if we did a big food tour day where we just went and ate food
1: we need to find somebody who wrote a script that uh is about food
0: about food in Cincinnati. or oh,
1: you mean just like as friends?
0: Well, I was thinking just as friends. <laughs> okay. Like a friend date, right? I get it. I have plenty of, like, here's the best thing about being pregnant, Jack.
1: Oh, yes, tell me. Eating The fact that you're about so to have a new life, uh, that you're creating life, and uh, you're about to have a new love in uh, your life in a few months?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, that's nice, too. <laughs> but I cannot tell you how much food I can put away. Yeah. It's incredible. I'll eat, like, two breakfasts, two lunches.
1: You have second breakfast?
0: I have second breakfast It's very good The first breakfast Is with Olive Mm -hmm. Second breakfast Is with myself
1: Hi, everybody. This is our podcast where we talk to screenwriters about their scripts and uh, our various eating habits and food fantasies. Maybe
0: we'll write screenplays about them and then interview ourselves on the show. But in the meantime, we are here to talk to screenwriters about why they wrote what they wrote and why they're the only person in the whole world who could have written what they wrote. We love really digging in to the specificity of each writer we have on the show and exploring where these ideas came from for them and what they're going to do with them. You know, next. Yeah,
1: why they wanted to get it out and why that story meant so much to them that they took the time to write it down and, and try it. And now, and now we're sharing it with the show and us sharing it with you. And we, we love getting into all that stuff. That's right. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. If you look up Script Shop beep, Show beep. on any of those platforms, you can find us, friend us, and follow us. And we would really, really love that. We're uh, trying to grow the show. That's right. And we need friends and listeners out there to do that and tell a friend. That's right. Then they tell a friend. And then they and the tell two people. And Then they tell going. two people.
0: Wait, are you being a robot?
1: No, I'm just doing like, like those old ads where it's like, and they tell two people. And then, and then it's like four more. It's and then they tell two scheme. people. And then so on and so on.
0: Funny story. Jack... Posted something on Twitter, and I had a real-life response to it. Texted him about it. We started talking about it in real life, and he followed it up with, hey, we should actually be talking about this on Twitter. That's right. And I was like, Jack, well—
1: she didn't want to so? upset the fans of people.
0: Well, you she know. She had an
1: opinion and didn't want it to upset people, and I respect that.
0: Yes. You know, I have a sidebar follow-up to that. So, sorry, <laughs> listeners, that you're not going to be in the room when we talk about things we're that gonna... are not related to the show. Okay? Sorry about your luck.
1: Uh, we're also on Patreon. If you're enjoying the show and you enjoy uh, us having these little sidebar discussions uh, on the show, off the show, online, offline, whatever, and you're uh, maybe considering supporting the show financially, you can do that by going on to Patreon.com. Uh, we got a couple of different giving levels. It's an amazing thought that you would even consider it uh thank you very much to all of our current patreons we love you very much yes
0: thank you guys so much
1: and yeah thank you you're helping us to uh, maintain this show and do this thing that we really love doing and we we appreciate that uh in in ways that the english language doesn't quite know yet how to describe
0: that's right we we just talk about it in baby language uh? 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 Uh. Huh. And don't forget that if you have written something, yes. we want to see your work. So we read a lot of screenplays. We love reading screenplays. You can submit to us at scriptshopshow.com slash submit Or by going to FilmFreeway.com slash ScriptShopShow.
1: And our guest this week, Buck Beestick, did go on to FilmFreeway.com. That's how he found us. That's how he submitted his script to us today called Sparkles and the Company.
0: It is a 17-page bounty hunter odd couple short full of flair and fun.
1: That is for sure.
0: (laughs) And a healthy
1: amount of glitter, I must say.
0: Yes, I love glitter. I love glitter. (laughs) Of course. I love it. I hope that my children have a have a distinct love of glitter as well.
1: Well, I think it's like built into kids, right?
0: He, uh, yes, I do think so. It comes pre-programmed, and then as they grow up, they have to get it deprogrammed In you know, if they dislike it, you don't like glitter, do you? I mean, you it's glitter? I'm
1: I'm kind of ambivalent toward it. Really? It, I mean, I don't dislike it.
0: Okay, well that's fair. I thought that that was one of your things, but it must be somebody <laughs> else's so thing. Because <laughs> you know, some people are just like I hate. Glitter.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not a hate glitter person. Okay,
0: good. That's probably why we're still friends. Yeah,
1: that's the only reason we're still friends. <laughs> oh, Glitter's oh, fine.
0: I'm on thin ice. I just realized. <laughs>
1: uh, well, so uh, I'm bringing
0: in the next show. You're getting wasted.
1: Now we're talking. <laughs> uh, so uh, Buck has been patiently waiting uh, for us to bring him onto the show. Let's and we should probably do that now. Let's Buck, do it. Buck Bistic. Hi, how are you?
2: I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys?
1: Doing great. Welcome to the show. Thank you for uh, submitting your work and uh, being a guest for us today.
2: You're, you're mighty welcome. And I think what you were talking about earlier was a Clairol product where they go and so on and so on and so on. And ah. they, it goes from one picture to two to four to eight and so on. That's so, the yes. one. That's perfect. I've Thank been you. I've be paying attention.
1: Thank you for knowing my obscure references to <laughs> 1980s television.
2: <laughs>
0: yes. So, Buck, where are you calling us from tonight?
2: I'm in uh, the Naples area of Florida.
0: Okay. Naples, Florida. And you did mention earlier that your name is is a nickname, and I want to know what the story is behind the name Buck B-Stick.
2: Well, the last name is not a nickname, but the, <laughs> the first name is, uh, you know, there's a couple different stories. I used to be a Ohio State bouncing Buckeye <laughs> fan when I was younger, uh-huh. and then uh, I also had buck teeth when I was growing up, so uh-huh. it, you you choose one, and it, it, it all adds up to buck one way or the other.
0: That's so cute, <laughs> like a... I'm sure you didn't think it was cute when people called you Buck as a child, but ch- childhood nicknames that stick around for a while, I think that they're really, really endearing.
2: Yes, exactly. Well, this has a, been around for 50 years, so it's been a long time.
1: Yeah, it's a, and it's a fun way to take ownership of something, right?
2: Of course, yes. And I don't think anybody has a name like mine, so it kind of sticks out. It does,
0: really like it. yeah. And in that this kind stick. of
2: business, that's exactly what you would want. Absolutely, yes, sir.
0: So, Buck, how long have you been writing?
2: Well, I've been writing since I've been in college, but uh, the more serious writing came about about uh, six or seven years ago where I wrote a couple of books, and then I got into some acting, and uh, then I really like writing screenplays. That's my passion.
0: What What were the books about that you wrote?
2: Well, I wrote a book about uh, my trials and tribulations as a bounty hunter and a bail bondsman. I, I am a part-time bounty uh, bail bondsman, and I wrote a comedic twist about some of my stories, some successful, some not so successful in the bail bond industry. So that can be found on Amazon, by the way. I'm not sure if I can say that. Yeah, no, go for it. Yeah, give us the name. It's called um, Bail Guy, Pros and Convicts.
0: Oh, okay. I see what you did there. All
2: right. Yes. I, yeah, I'm glad you caught that. Some people look at me like I'm from Mars. I'm, no, it's pretty simple.
0: You say, <laughs> like, hey, people, get a sense of humor. This is actually hilarious. So, wait, so you
1: have right. all sorts of wild interactions over the years of like trying to catch
2: b- bail jumpers? Absolutely. Yes. And, and dealt and, with, pardon me?
1: And, and like by catch, meaning like potentially like running down a street and grabbing by the shirt collar.
2: That's exactly right. Uh, In my younger days, I could keep up with those guys. But uh, yes, I've traveled all over the United States and in the Caribbean looking for people that have jumped Bond. And uh, I do have some pretty entertaining stories in there, I might add.
0: You could tell us any of them anytime. Do you have any off the top of your head that you could? I mean, that's what the screenplay is today, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh well,
2: that, that's, yeah, loosely based on, on bound, well, bounty hunting is true, like the screenplay, but uh, th- this is not an actual story, obviously. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Well, I'm
0: sorry, we're just going to focus on bounty hunting a little bit more. Yeah. How did you get started well, yeah. doing this? Or were you just well, ripped guess, and somebody was like, I need a big guy to go after somebody?
2: Well, uh, it started when my my uncle was a bail bondsman. My father was a bail bondsman. My brothers were bail bondsmen. I sound like Marissa Tomei and my cousin Vinny, don't I? But uh, <laughs> they were. It, it was a family trade, and uh, I decided to continue on and doing it. I started at a very young age at eighteen, mm-hmm. and uh, I've been doing it ever since. So it's 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 quite an interesting field to work in that a lot of people don't know a lot about. So. If it's kind of cool.
0: If you were going to just inform the layman about what the this industry is,
2: mm-hmm.
0: the layman being myself and Jack.
1: Yeah, us.
0: Right. Okay. <laughs> what could you just tell us about it?
2: Well, basically what I do is I promise the court that a defendant will show up in court each and every time until their case is disposed of. Whether they get a dismissal or the electric chair, it doesn't matter. It's my duty to make sure that they show up. And if they don't, I have to either track them down or pay the amount of bond that I pledged to the state.
1: And the, so, the people come to you and offer you money and then you put up money to get them out of jail.
2: That is correct, yes. For a percentage, I front the money to the courts. And the courts hold it in abeyance. And if the, well, there's not actual money being transacted. I sign a a, a form a, a contract with the court that says I will pay if this person does not show up in court, and when they miss court, now it's my job to turn from a bail bondsman to a bail enforcement agent or a bounty hunter.
0: Oh my god! And that's
2: when I go into mode number two, yes, which is the hard part of the where
0: job. Where you rip your clothes off and then you get like you know forty <laughs> percent more muscle mass. Mm-hmm. You and Hulk you, out. Yeah, and you start jumping You're, and.
2: I really like those descriptions, but that's not quite uh, me particularly. But yeah. No, that's canon
1: now, Buck. That's fine.
2: <laughs> I yeah, you start jumping. Yeah, I don't take any magic pills. I just you know do my homework and try to track them down the easiest way with with no trouble. That's oh. really my key.
1: Right. So and so speaking of easy or not, in 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 your career of having done this, what percentage of people have you actually had to go on the run for versus those that play by the rules and and do the thing and then show up in court when they're supposed to?
2: I would say probably less than two percent. Okay. Most people do show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if they don't show up, they don't go anywhere. They just, you know, they just say, screw the court. I'm not going to show up and let the cops come get me or let Bista come get me. Mm -hmm. And I'll go knock on their door. And then, you know, more often than not, they're happy to come with me as opposed to going with the police. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: And you probably figure out why. You know, I treat them with respect. not Not that the cops don't, but... It's just much easier to walk in with me than in handcuffs, basically. Yeah,
0: this actually reminds me, one of my friends, his name is Grafton. He works security for a number of bars here in town. And once I was, when we were just getting to know each other, I was like, Grafton, this is kind of an intense job, you know, do you have to like rough people up? And he was like, no, you know, if you just kind of have a way with people and you've got a way with words. It's really about kind of conflict mitigation and just really being able to have people trust you, listen to you in order to serve the overall purpose. So I'm sure there's a lot of just like, well, you know, I like to imagine that you get to kick down a couple of doors and stuff, <laughs> but maybe you can knock on a door and just say to someone, look, here's your options. What do you, what do you want to do here? And then they just go with you.
2: Right. It, it, I use the psychological approach and reason with them. And, you know, because these problems don't go away, the more you run, the worse it gets. So, you know, and most people are, are, are reasonable after our, my little talk. But some people just right out of the gate, they just take off. And therefore, that's how I got to write that book. And I I've only have nine short stories in there, but mm-hmm. I probably have about 90 others that I, I'm still working on for my second book. In so, that vein.
0: So did you go from writing novels to screenwriting to acting or novels to acting to screenwriting?
2: Uh, well, I wouldn't say that's a novel, but uh, from book writing to acting to screenwriting.
0: Mm hmm. And uh, what was the transition from acting to screenwriting like for you?
2: The, the transition, what, what made me transition, I still do acting, but when I was reading some of the scripts, and I'm not saying that my scripts are, are perfectly worded and grammar uh, 100% grammar free of, of mistakes, but I was thinking to myself, if I'm going on auditions and I'm reading this, these scripts, I can certainly do that. And maybe a little bit better. So, And then, of course, with all these ideas and these crazy things going on in my head, I figured I would just let it all out. And so I just started writing screenplays. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and and you enjoy that as a, as, a, as a form of writing, maybe more so than, than putting together a, a collection of stories like in a book?
2: Absolutely, yes. Uh, you know, the book was all true stories. When I do my screenplays, it's all make-up. It's all make-believe. And to me, that's easy to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Not a lot of research involved. I just go out there and I think of a character and or I base it on a character that I or a person that I've known. Or as you mentioned earlier, Jack, I dig into the personalities and traits of over 15,000 people that I have bonded out of jail. And now I can take a little bit from each person and and form a character. So I have a lot of uh, resources to tap into. And that's why I like it.
1: Yeah, and so so you sent us this script called Sparkles and the Company, which is a story. Like Allison described it as a as an odd couple pairing. The company is this big hulk of a dude that's a bounty hunter in New Orleans, and he sort of has this team up with a guy named Sparkles that runs a shop of some kind, also in the Big Easy. And it's yes. uh, it's it's uh, it's 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 one type of guy and another type of guy, and they're trying to track down this dude that that skipped court. I, let's I would love to get into where these characters. Are coming from if they're combinations of other people and the inspiration behind this uh, script that you sent us today?
2: Okay. Well, first of all, Sparkles was based on the idea uh, and a the idea of a, of a friend of mine that I acted in in uh, Arsenic and Old Lace in Connecticut. Okay. This guy was he was just incredibly talented and super funny on stage during that play. And we just, you know, while we we're in the, in the room waiting to go on stage, we just got started talking and, uh, we, I came up with, he was a big sparkles guy. He, he loved glitter and sparkle. <laughs> and so I said, well, I can make a, a screenplay out of it. And, you know, in between, uh, shows, I went home and wrote the screenplay basically. And the next day I came back with it, or maybe a day late, two days later. So, but sparkles is based on uh, a person that I've acted with, uh, the company is, just think of a big meathead, meat hook, you know, not too bright bounty hunter who scares the daylights out of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of a common bounty hunter type person. Um, and then, of course, you had the the bad guy, Cates, who was a pimp and who was uh, abusive to the poor girl, Eliza, who uh, who made money by sleeping on her back, if you will. Sure. So.
0: I love, it's such an honor to, to like, you know, you wrote this screenplay because this dude inspired you.
2: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Does he know that, 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 that he exists as this character?
2: He does, yes, because I brought it in to the to the uh, play the next night, and yeah. we all read it, and we, it was great. So, that's great. Well, he thought it was great, so I said, "All right, I'm going with it. I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm right. glad you liked it." Did you change any lines based off of his reading and his interpretation of himself?
1: Yeah, did he have any notes for himself?
2: <laughs> no, he not particularly. No, he just he, he thoroughly enjoyed it. At least that's the impression that I received mm-hmm. from him. So. Mm. And in fact, all the cast wrote, uh, read it, and they thought it was pretty cool too. And one other thing I failed to mention is Busty Knockers. Oh <laughs> I don't yes, know why,
0: Busty Knockers. I,
2: par, pardon me.
0: I just love that name.
2: That yep, should be well, my nickname exactly.
0: in real life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and I kind of like that name too. And mm-hmm. and she was loosely based on um, one of the stage managers because the name speaks for itself. Let's just leave it at that.
1: Sure.
0: What, was she? What did she think when she realized that a character? Was named Busty Knockers, and it was based on her.
2: I think she loved it. She was uh, she was thrilled with the idea. I mean, of course, all these people are actors, so yeah. You know, you give them a little bit of prop and they love it. Right?
0: Yes, it be, yes. So. I, I see that. I see that.
1: But what's it like for you as a writer being able to, you know, you, you've written a few stories that, are, that you are, are based on your actual experiences that could maybe be a little more intense than what the average person has a story to be able to tell. And then you write a screenplay like this that is very over the top in terms of its characters and it's pretty campy and, you know, no, nothing's being taken too seriously. There isn't a lot of subtlety in it. That's got to be, I would imagine that's got to be a pretty fun shift as a writer to, to get into different mode like that.
2: Absolutely, yeah. You get to take a serious career, and, and like I did in the book, and make fun with it. And then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I've been to New Orleans probably sixty or seventy times. I, I just love that city. I love the food. I love the people. And so, all these places that are in there in the in the script are actual places. And uh, you know, things. I don't know about. I don't know about the uh, sparkles. Emporium, his shop, but there is a couple shops called their Yaya ya Shops and Gumbo Yaya. Ya. So, yeah, it, it's a it's a great thing to be able to go to a city and then write about the city in a screenplay because it's, it's factual. Mm-hmm. That part.
1: Yeah. And I think that New Orleans, New Orleans is really interesting as far as like the attention that it gets to be a setting and move like, you know, you've got New York and you've got L.A. and then you've got like, you know, the country. Or, you know, Chicago. New Orleans, as unique as New Orleans is, like there definitely have been a lot of movies set there, but I don't think it gets the same level of attention that other cities do.
2: I agree with that, yes. Uh, You know, I I don't know why, because there's so many different things going on at any given time. It's a mini Las Vegas and a mini New York City. Mm -hmm. And it's a mini of all those places, all in one, uh, you know, maybe 10 by 12 block area the french right. quarter as yeah. far as i'm concerned
0: with a, a nice dose of like magic realism yeah to for it. sure you know all, yes. all the voodoo culture the mystique the the magic and the spiritual aspect of it is very very unique and i would imagine yes. in terms of writing gives you a lot of freedom to play with maybe a little bit of fantasy if you need needed to
2: yes i agree and that is true uh, new orleans is a uh, it's it's Pandora's box of good and bad, mm-hmm. if there is such a thing. So,
0: do you do you th- frequently write about New Orleans?
2: No, this was the first time that I've done something about New Orleans. This particular screenplay. So, no, I, I don't. I my stories tend to be more uh, either horror or uh, cop type stories. That's the stuff that I, because as they say, you write about what you know. Mm-hmm. And of course I know that side, but I also know about New Orleans since I've been there so many times. Right.
0: So, um, and do you usually go to New Orleans for business or for pleasure?
2: Oh, it was basically for, to. I was, a, I'm a Saints uh, football fan. Ah. And so I, um, I went down to the, I used to be a cowboy fan just to set the record straight <laughs> and when Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, took Tom Landry and basically kicked him to the curb, I says, I can't cheer for that team anymore. So I just, the timing was perfect. I went to New Orleans. I went to a game. The Saints got their ass beat. It didn't matter. Everybody was having a party mm-hmm. in the stadium and out in the streets. I'm like, I kind of like this place. So. <laughs> and, you know. And when you combine that with the food and the uh, sincerity of the people and the love they have for that city and and all the things that it has to offer, I became a, a, a Saints fan and then a Saints season ticket holder for many years. Mm-hmm. So
1: well, and then that's and what brought me there. And then in terms of your you know, experience with the city and and, and awareness of it and, and love for it, seeing when Katrina hit and then seeing the the aftermath of all that and the bounce back, that had to have been a pretty emotional thing for you.
2: Yes, it was. Um, in fact, I was down in New Orleans a couple of days before Katrina hit, Man. you know, just having a great time. And I was at one of the bars at the hotel and everybody was glued to the television and all the ISO bars, I guess, on the on the weather map were showing that New Orleans was going to get clobbered. So uh, they said that they were going to be leaving early from their vacation. So I did the same thing. I left and the, the airport was a madhouse and I got home safely but what happened after that was just a, a total mess. And I had a lot of friends that lost a lot of property there. No, luckily, no deaths from the people that I knew. But uh, it was a very sad situation. And then, you know, and the other, the good part about it was when the Superdome finally did open for their first Monday night game against Atlanta, I was there. Oh, wow, And I, I was crying out of, out of joy and out of whatever the word is, I can't even describe it. These people, that was their life. It was like bringing them, the whole city, back to life by that football game. Mm -hmm. It was amazing.
0: Relief, I bet. A lot of relief there. Yeah. Relief. Yes. It
2: it was incredible. We really, I mean, something I'll never forget. I was very privileged and honored to be there with these people that had suffered for those three or four years. You know, it took, I think, three years before the Superdome got back up and running. So,
0: yeah. It was was crazy. In a way, then, this story and this idea is a bit of a love letter to New Orleans, then, isn't it?
2: In a sense, yes. It, you know, I wanted to give them their fair share of, of publicity and and some humor, some fun with it. So, yes.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to go ahead and jump into our reading today for our listeners so that they can hear what it is okay. we are talking about um, so, listeners, if you're following along, we're actually going to open up uh, on the first page of this screenplay.
1: Yeah, we're taking this from the top. And unfortunately, we are hashtag Frankless. We, hashtag where's Frank?
0: <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Guy's got to work, apparently. A job that actually
1: pays him. Uh-huh. Donate to our Patreon.
0: Uh, so today we have uh, the pleasure of having Buck read for Sparkles. Um, I'm going to be reading for Liza, and then Jack is actually going to be doing all of our action headings and reading for the company.
1: Yeah, I get to be the big, beefy bounty hunter guy, and Buck, you're going to be sparkles, okay? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you. Jack, you definitely have the voice for it.
1: Though. Oh, well, that, and that's all I need. I just need a little theater of the mind, and I can play ball.
0: Um, so, uh, please follow along. Enjoy what we've got. Jack, whenever you're ready, you can take it away
1: fade in exterior bourbon street new orleans louisiana afternoon revelers of mixed ages dip in and out of seedy bars while bottle cap dancers try to hustle a few bucks on the liquor splashed grungy street the air is visible as the relentless august sun consumes the french quarter we hear a cacophony of music as it weaves its way around street corners from the street pov we see through the window of an old shotgun style house converted into an emporium sparkles ya ya shop signs blink with eye piercing radiance. Inside, we see Sparkles, 45 years old, a diminutive man teeming with plasmatic electricity, part-time drag queen, part-time closet bounty hunter. He's no stranger to the ink parlor and carries a pixie-like air about him. Sparkles tidies up a rack of extravagant boas and assorted fetish-inspired nighties. A young woman, Liza, maybe 18 years old, wearing frisbee-sized sunglasses, ambles up to the shop and enters. She looks as though she's just dragged herself out of bed, a bed that provides her both income and sleep. Interior Sparkles Yaga Shop.
2: Well, hello, darling. Rough night? Ugh.
1: Liza approaches Sparkles and removes her sunglasses. We see two ebony eyes that could use a good steak on them.
2: Oh, baby, come here and give Sparkles some loving. Sparkles
1: embraces Liza with compassion.
0: Why does he do this to me? I make him a G just about every night.
2: You want me to sick the company on him?
1: As Sparkles ends the sentence, in walks the company, about 40 years old. That's right, the company. He is the polar opposite of Sparkles in appearance and demeanor. Full-time bounty hunter who slithers amongst the night owls and urine-laden streets of the French Quarter like a desperate viper. An nonchalant look from his eyes to yours is cause for certain discomfort. He usually speaks on point. You. Sparkles and Liza step back in fear. They avert their eyes from the company and clutch each other. The company inches closer to the frightened duo. Both.
2: Easy down by you, beast. You're scaring the poor girl.
1: The company relents and grins in a menacing manner. He places his large hand into his back pocket, retrieves a photo and displays it. Close on the photo, we see a mugshot of Danny Cates. That's him! The company steps closer to Liza. You know. Sparkles races in front of Liza to shield her from the beast.
2: Look at her. He did
1: that to her. The company shows no reaction as he glances at Liza's eyes. Court. No show. Sparkles darts behind the counter, past the cash register, and disappears. He emerges a moment later clad in this Sparkles business suit. Robin egg-colored leotard, an S-emblem that would make Superman proud, and a pink cape. Attached to his waistband is a satchel full of magical poof.
2: I'm all yours, big boy. Take me and do what you want. You remember? Remember what? Us. Partners. Oh, the company and Sparkles. I mean, Sparkles and company.
1: Business only. Me. You. Sparkles tilts his head in disbelief. It's the first time he's heard the company ever say more than three words in a row.
2: Oh, too bad. I'd like to roll you like a honey bun sweet roll and apply some special icing
0: and scene so there we go there's, buck there's a lot of subtlety
1: in that script and you know let's i'd like to really dig into the nuance of it and the subtext that you've got going on in there
0: it's there's okay. tons of beginnings here which of course we read the beginning of the script but you know the characters are so straightforwardly straightforward. Yeah, you're, you're good they're laid out right there um and, uh, you know, we we cover a lot of ground kind of quickly in terms of their relationship, in terms of some of the props and items that they have, uh, things that I have a lot of questions about as well. Yes. Uh, okay. F- first being the the names. So, you know, we talked about Sparkles being based on a person who loved glitter, loved Sparkles, who had a very um, seemingly fun personality. But the company, well, how did you come up with that nickname yeah. for this character?
2: Well, the company... I came up with that name because if you think about it, he's he's just this massive Bayou guy who was born. I mean, if, if you've been to New Orleans, you've seen people like this guy. He looks like he just came out of a swamp. He's about six, 300 pounds. He's got, you know, knuckles the size of people's arms. He doesn't say much. He doesn't have to. He because he is the entire company in that regard, just yeah. like a big building that's how i came up with the company.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not a businessman, he's a business man.
2: <laughs> there you go. Nice. <laughs> uh, on the,
1: on the title page of the script it talks about original idea by David Nunner. Now David Nunner's not who Sparkles is based on, is it?
2: Yes it is. Oh, he is. Okay.
1: Yes.
0: Yes. So was this was this originally his idea? He was like, "Oh, wouldn't it be funny if me and so and you were In a, I don't know. In a bounty hunt together. If we were bounty hunters together.
2: Yeah. Well, sort of like that. We, you know, he knew what I did as you know in full time work other than being on stage acting with him, and he said that he, you know, he loves movies and he loves acting and he's a great actor. And uh, his big thing was uh, was was sparkles. For some reason, like we had this refrigerator backstage, and would with letters on it, and he would always put sparkles you know, write out sparkles and letters. So I asked him, what's the deal with sparkles? He goes, I just, he, he loves sparkles. He loves glitter, mm-hmm. you know? So I said, oh, <laughs> cool. So I'm going to write a screenplay about it. And that's basically how it evolved. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really wasn't much more than that. We weren't talking about, you know, forming as a team, as a bounty hunter. I just figured I'd throw something, something together like this. And he was really appreciative of it.
0: I I do love the Sparkles business suit that he comes out in. This <laughs> yeah. you, is this something that this character wears every time he goes on a bounty hunt.
2: It is yes, uh, because he does not look like a typical bounty hunter. Like he's the exact opposite of, of the company. So you know, picture this guy in this. He looks like an Easter egg. You know, there's almost like Batman and Robin, like the Robin suit but with the baby blue and the pink leotards and his satchel of poof. Oh, that's, I
0: love that. That's this. his glitter. And yes. That's how
2: the story came about. Does
0: so. the satchel of poof have some kind of voodoo quality to it? <laughs> in this uh, world? Well, it,
2: it, you could interpret it that way if I, you wish. I, I, did. Um, it, I did. It does have some magical uh, magical powers to it. Yes, it does.
0: What do you think are the extent of these powers?
2: Well, um, uh, Without going too much into the screenplay, it, it does do magic and it does do some harm at times also.
1: It's got magical pepper powers for sure.
2: <laughs> it's got magical pepper powers and cleaning powers, if you remember That's earlier right. oh, we yeah. later on in the script. So it, it, it's basically his crutch, his lifeline, his gun, his way of combating anything good or bad.
1: Yeah, it's his golden lasso. It's his batarang. It's his web shooter. It's, it's everything.
2: Yeah, his taser, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But it's just glitter. <laughs>
1: well, so, so as the story goes on, so so Sparkles and the company are trying to track down this guy, Cates, who is, uh, has abused Liza and wants more money from her. And they have a sort of a failed run in where Cates sort of uh, hands them their rear ends uh, because Sparkles forgot that he didn't, he, he forgot to reload his bag from the last time that he used it. And then all, in the big confrontation, there's a fun little twist where the company's right there. And of course, he's this big beefy guy and he's about to lay hands, but he gets a smack across the face and it it turns out that the company has a glass jaw
2: yes because he was he uh, he was so smitten with busty knockers (laughs) that uh, (laughs) who wouldn't be with a name like that obviously exactly so busty i mean just picture this big tough bounty hunter who's you know killed alligators with his bare hands and now he's got this sweetheart this this heiress of a plantation who he's so in love with and all it takes is a slap from her and knocks him right out. I mean, it's almost like a metaphor of, of the relationship. It's, it's kind of a strange situation. You wouldn't think that her, her slap would be able to do that, but she had a little bit of a spell over him. You know, she was a tarot reader, so she was into his mind also.
0: Well, I was going to say, I've seen a lot of dudes do stupid things over a pair of great boobs. <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: and The company's no different.
1: Folks, if the description of Busty Knocker's slapping the company across the face and knocking him out isn't enough motivation to read the script, if, first of all, if you haven't already, shame on you. But second of all, hearing lines like that, what, what's stopping you from going on to com slash scripts right now and reading this thing, uh, Sparkles and the company? Yeah.
2: Yeah, please do. That'd be fantastic. And
1: so ultimately Sparkles uses his special weapon that he finally does reload after uh, getting slapped around a bit by this Kate's guy. And he's able to use the glitter to uh, ultimately take down the bad guy. And uh, good guys win, bad guys lose. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The good guys win. The bad guy loses. He was an abusive pimp. He was a no good SOB. He didn't go to court. He deserved every bit of what he got. And of course, Let's not forget that uh, Sparkles was somewhat of a business person, businessman. He wanted his money up front, a little down payment. He also didn't want to, he, he said, screw share. He didn't want to be share that night. He figured he'd make 50000 <laughs> And so he did. I mean, he was a smart, crafty, wily, uh, diminutive bounty hunter. You so know, the exact opposite of what you would think.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. He planned it out and was able to swoop in at the right moment to, to sort of save the day. Uh, I'm curious about right. the ending, though, with Liza as a character. Right. She, she had talked about she was going to leave town. She was going to be done with this life. But then when they get their payoff at the end, she says, you know what? Heck, I'm going to stay. I was curious about your motivation for having her stick around instead of leaving town.
2: Right. Well, my motivation for that was, you know, now that this this uh, black cloud was away from her life, I mean, these guys in jail, let's assume uh, and of course. Busty and the company are hugging, and they're as one. They have a they have a union now, and of course, uh, Sparkles and Liza. You know, if it not been for Sparkles, Liza would have could have been killed.
0: Right.
2: So after their little poignant hug, she takes a deep breath. She looks around. She's you know she just she just can't get away from New Orleans. Is the bottom line. She couldn't leave, and so she wanted to stay. She said, "L.A. could wait." That's, it, there's really not much more meaning than that to it, but she decided to stay because she found a friend in Sparkles. It, it,
1: it feels like this story could potentially go somewhere, have, have more almost yeah. episodic.
0: Yes. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah.
1: Do you have other ideas, uh, other like, uh, adventures for Sparkles and the company to go on in oh, your head?
2: I certainly do. Uh, it would be Sparkles and Liza, of course, you know, three main characters mm-hmm. and, and based upon my experience in my real life, then, yeah, I I, I do have some ideas. I haven't uh, acted on them, but uh, by way of this interview, it's going to get my wheels turning again. I'll probably whip up a couple more episodes of this particular of these characters.
0: Well, I that, appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. That's that. really exciting. Yeah, I love that. Well, let's let's just see. Do you you don't have any um, additional storylines going, but do you have any production plans for this, or has this just been something that's kind of been sitting, just waiting for its time in the sun?
2: Well, it's waiting for its time in the sun. I did write another movie that I was able to produce. It was a horror movie. The thing that with, with making movies, let's just get to that. Unless you know someone with a lot of money. You have to do it yourself uh-huh. or you have to, you know, pinch pennies and to do a production like this, such as this in New Orleans would probably cost more money than uh, than I w- would want to think about. So that's why it hasn't gone any further. But if someone wants to read this, or hopefully everyone will read it. And if they want to do something with it, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. So. <laughs>
1: Well, that's a perfect segue into if someone is listening to this show and they're interested and they've read your script on scriptshopshow.com slash scripts, which they absolutely should do, and and they are interested in getting in touch with you. Buck, what's a good way for them to do that?
2: Well, they can get me at buckbstick at gmail.com. That's B-U-C-K-B-I-E-S-T-E-K at gmail.com. Perfect. I'd be glad to talk to anybody about this script or any other scripts that I have. I mean, I'm... uh, I like this script. It's short. It can easily be done. It's going to cost some money, though. And I've also got some, you know, feature length scripts with big set pieces. You know, I didn't think of it at the time as I'm writing it. But, you know, it could be in the million dollar range for those at least. So but I, I do have a, a, many more ideas. Many more.
0: That's beautiful. I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking time tonight to sit down on the show with us and talk about this idea. It has been just completely a delight talking to you. Yeah, no kidding.
2: Well, I thank you, and I uh, appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, sparkles will be reborn again. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> sparkles come, sparkles too. Electric boogaloo.
2: <laughs> <laughs> 2 too boogaloo. That's, That's right.
1: It. That's part of the world's lingo. <laughs> Thanks, Buck, very much. All right. Well, there's Buck. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that.
0: Well, that... Didn't expect- I've never talked to a bounty hunter in my life.
1: Didn't expect the real-life bounty hunter stuff yeah. at all. That was fun.
0: Well, that's the thing is, uh, you know, when we were chit-chatting, I was like, I hope this guy has some real strong connection right. to the themes in this. And I was thinking New Orleans or I was thinking the Sparkles character. There's no way in hell that I imagined he would have such a close relationship to the idea of bounty hunting yeah. in the company. Because usually when you read scripts like this, it's somebody living out of fantasy.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, you know? you're
0: right. And this dude has... As he says, 15,000-plus stories under his belt that he just tinkers with and puts into a screenplay.
1: Folks, if you have 15,000-plus stories under your belt, or maybe just one that's rattling around in your head, you should write it in script form, and you should send it to us. We would love to read it. And You can do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit— or we're on. <laughs> Meop, <laughs>
0: Meop, beep, Meop. Meop. We're on Film
1: Freeway. Uh, you can look up Script Shop Show on filmfreeway.com and submit that way, just like Buck did.
0: Mm-hmm. You can also uh, find us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We would love to talk to you about any of the screenplays that you have uh, read or listened to on the show yeah. because we have a lot of opinions, people.
1: We're, we got more than a hundred shows up now, folks. So many. We, we, we uh, tell us what you think about them. Uh, tell a friend uh, if you would love to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Just about
0: boy, these guys sure are a lot of fun to read and talk Two to. Two redheads do screenplays That's, all the time. Make
1: sure you re, you find a font that represents that voice, and then and and then post that uh, review on uh, Apple Podcasts. We would love that again. We would. We are trying to grow the show, and we want to be able to get it out there to more people to enjoy. We need uh, need your help
0: to do it. Please do. <laughs> All right. Wow. What was that? Uh, you know, enjoyment, enjoying <laughs> myself, enjoying my time here on the show. I hear you. Yeah. Thank you. So until next time, friends, that's a wrap.
1: Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeart Media Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening.
0: Set in description.